0: a blessing to just meet together, be on the same page when you come into the, into the room, right? So praise the Lord and have the same spirit. Um, I was reminded the last couple of days uh, that uh, the devil is real, you know, <laughs> I'm preparing this message for the last couple of weeks and on uh, Friday I, my, uh, my son had a little fever and you know, we were all stressed out about that, you know, is it COVID, is it this? Yesterday I was out to eat and uh, you know, we almost, I almost got food poisoning Brother Chris, that was not, that meat was not good, no matter what they say. Um, But uh, you know what? Greater is he that lives within you than he is in the world. You know, God is real as well. And, uh, you know, if we were just to see the spiritual craziness, the things that we can't see, we would just be scared to death. I think that's why we can't see it. But uh, you know what? God is greater than that, and he's good, and he's merciful. And I just want to thank him for, for letting me be up here just to even share this with you. Um, so I'm going to be in Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, and uh, a lot of thoughts in my head, a lot of uh, notes on a page, so we'll see what we get to today. Okay, Let's read the first few verses here. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Dear Lord, thank you again for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you again for allowing us to gather in this space, Lord. Lord, thank you for the blessings that you've given us, those spiritual blessings, Lord, that uh, Lord, that we can't even fathom, Lord. Um, we just pray, Lord, that, um, Lord, uh, I'm not up to the task, Lord. I just pray that you just might give me the words to speak, Lord, that your spirit might have just the full discourse here, Lord, and uh, you might just uh, use, use this message if you're in glory, Lord. You said your word would not return void, Lord. So uh, we commit these things unto you, Lord, and uh, we pray, Lord, for my pastor and the meeting that's going on up in north, Lord. pray that you just might... Do a work, Lord, that only you can do, Lord. Um, We are just useless and helpless without you, Lord. So, Lord, we're just asking for you and your glory, Lord, just be with us. we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Ephesians chapter 1. We just read the first few verses there. Paul's talking to, uh, he's writing this letter to the church of Ephesus. And he's greeting them. And in his greeting, he's giving them truths. He's reminding them of certain truths that are important. And the truth, that I, the truth that I want to get to today um, and to talk about is the spiritual riches of God. The spiritual riches of God. The things that we can't, even, we can't even grasp. You know, I see some fairly unfamiliar faces, but, you know, if you're not saved here today, um, the Bible says that you're in enmity with God. It's not my words. It's, that's the Bible. Um, that's, what the, that's what God says. Um, he says that uh, if there is no righteous, no, not, no, not one. Um, if you've broken one law of God's commandments, you're a sinner. And um, in Romans chapter 6, and I was just uh, teaching uh, my, uh, my own daughter this verse, and she's almost got it memorized. But in Romans chapter 6, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ Amen. our Lord. You see, that's a kind of harsh verse for a teacher or three-year-old. But it's the truth. It's the truth. The wages of sin is death. And I, I wanted her to know at a young age that the power of sin, but there's also the power of God. Amen. But if you're not saved today, you are at enmity with God. Ephesians chapter 2 makes that pretty clear. In verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, or made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle of the wall of partition between us. There is a wall between you and God. If you're not saved, there's a wall between you and God. You can't get to God because God can't tolerate sin. <clears throat> having abolished his flesh, in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments, contained an ordinance for to make himself of twain, one new man, so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And as my, my brother Chris, he preached at the mission yesterday, that you're at enmity with God if you're not saved. And so I encourage you, if, you, if you're not saved, You've got to get that thing settled. you got to figure that out. You've got to realize where you're standing is with Christ, and that's your, your odds with God. You're odds with God. You're not a child of God. But that grace, if you go to Ephesians chapter 2 again, same chapter in verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest let any man should boast. There's no work that you could possibly do to get saved. It's always going to fall short. The standard is not your neighbor. Or your pastor, or your priest. It's not, it's not any of those folks. It's not the President of the United States, thank God. It's, it's, it's Jesus Christ. He's the standard. You need to live up to his standard. There's no way we could ever get there. There's just no one there's no one's perfect enough. No one's good enough. There's none good. <clears throat> but that says there, and it says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. It's putting your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, right? If you could work your way to heaven, why did Jesus Christ have to go to the cross and die on a cross and die that brutal death, right? Pour out his blood for you. If you could work your way to heaven, why would that that have to be done, right? I, I can encourage you, if you're not saved, consider Jesus Christ. Consider what he did for you on the cross. Put your faith and trust in him and receive that grace. If you have done that, then I have more to talk to you about. And I want to focus in on the riches of Jesus Christ, the riches of God, and the first verse there, 1-7, in whom he have, I'm sorry, Ephesians 1-7, I'm in, in whom he ha- we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins, that's salvation, right, we just spoke about that, according to the riches of his grace, the riches of his grace. I have news for you, if you are saved today, you are rich, you're rich this morning. I don't know what's in your bank account. I don't know what's in your 401k. I know the economy's not doing too well. Inflation's on the rise. You're rich. You won the spiritual lottery when you got saved. All right? You won the spiritual lottery. That's the truth of it. Right? It says there, the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us. Abounded, right? So it's not just he gave us these riches. It's like it's abounding. Like it multiplies. It's just continuing, Right? <clears throat> Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7. Flipping around. For, and uh, that's what we'll read 1 through 7. And you have he quickened, who are dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Before you were saved, you were a child of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, and the lusts of our flesh Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we're by nature and the children of wrath, even as others. Wow, that's a, that's some really strong language. But isn't it so true? I mean, even when you're saved, you can still sense that 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 nature, that nature, that of wrath, of just fulfilling the desires in the flesh. It's just it's it's disgusting. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love, where he, with he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. Ye are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. His kindness. The riches of his grace talks of his kindness towards us. God did not have to reach out to us, right? It wasn't his fault that we had fallen, that Adam had taken out of the fruit. It's not his fault that we're sinners. It's not his fault. It's not. As much as you'd like to blame somebody, just look in the mirror. Just look in the mirror. But his kindness, his kindness, his goodness. Uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse 20, if you go with me there, talk about his goodness. This is the riches of his grace. And I can already tell I'm going to run behind time, so I'm going to try to scurry here. in we'll nineteen. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offence might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So in Romans it talks about the good. The, it talks about that grace that's greater than our sin. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, <clears throat> or despise it. We'll read actually 1 through 4, give you some context. Therefore thou art excusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou, hast, thou hast judgest does, doest the same thing. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance, long longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Right? It's the grace of God, it's the riches of his grace, my brother spoke about last time he was in the pulpit, it's that goodness of God that leads us right, to him, right? it leads us, it's supposed to bring us to him, and that's what the riches of his grace do, all right? When you get saved again, you won the spiritual lottery. You have all the riches of, of His grace. An old testament of the, uh, old testament picture of this is Mephibosheth, and if you listen to the uh, the Bible study, and I'm going to go to Samuel chapter second uh, Samuel chapter nine, on Thursday, my pastor spoke about Mephibosheth, and I was listening to the message. And I was one of the greatest fears when you're preparing a message is that someone's going to preach your message right before. And and I was I was just on eggshells. I was like, all right, the, like the first half hour was like, okay, he's good, we're good. Then he got some Mephibosheth the last ten minutes. I was like, ah, oh, man, no, but we're 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 good. We're gonna be we're gonna be good. Uh, second Second Samuel Samuel chapter nine. <clears throat> the Spirit knows what it's doing. Amen. Second Samuel chapter nine. I'm not going to read all the verses. I'm just going to touch on a few. And David said, is there any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? As a similar, right? You see, see the kindness of God, right? And the grace that he's given us, the riches of his grace, that exceeding kindness that we have. That's what David, that type of Jesus Christ, right? He's that king, that anointed one, right? That was, that was the leader and king of Israel. And, uh, you know, many times throughout this, the scriptures, Jesus Christ is connected to David, um, and, and what David's looking here, in verse 1, similar to how Jesus Christ is looking for, for us, he's, he's looking for someone he can show kindness to. He's looking for someone he can show kindness to. And, uh, and he's looking for send kindness, not just to any Joe Schmo. He's looking to, to have kindness on the children of his enemies. Saul was an enemy of David. We were enemies, right, If, you weren't, if you, when you were not saved, right? You are an enemy of God. And God was looking for you to show kindness to you on Christ's behalf. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. And David adopts him in verse 7. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. He's talking to Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was a a lame... uh, just son of son of the, the, the enemy king, son son of Saul, he uh, he broke his legs in Samuel chapter four. Uh, he had fallen, and that's a picture of just our fallen state. I mean, as 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 just chi- children of disobedience, we had nothing to stand on. We had nothing to stand on. We had, might maybe a little bit worse than Mephibosheth. We actually had uh, uh, the devil as our father. That's what that's what Jesus said, right? And t- Saul a type of the Antichrist, and that was his grandfather. But you know. The devil doesn't, doesn't care about you. You see the people in the world. I was, I was at a restaurant yesterday, and you see people just running around, and it's just like, wow. It's like they don't even know where they're going. They don't even know where their minds are at. It's like what we just read in Ephesians chapter 2. It's just, you know, their mind, they're just fulfilling the, the thoughts of their mind, the lust of their flesh. They just, they're just running like automatons. They don't even they don't understand what spirit they're, they're, they're under. Um, but David adopts him, right? Just like we are adopted, right? We talked about the spirit of adoption, right? We have that adoption through Jesus Christ. David cares for him. In verse 1, he says he wants to show him that kindness, right? In verse 7, show him that kindness. He wants to care for Mephibosheth. And then lastly, in verse 13, and my brother spoke about it uh, on Thursday, um, Mephibosheth, uh, he was at the table uh, continually. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. And that table, at God's table, Right there, there, he covers those flaws. Those legs are under the table. He can't see. You can't see those flaws, and that is hidden. He covers that sin. As far as these are from the west, I mean, amazing that you know he doesn't just say like, "Oh, look, you know, look what I say." They know he has every right to do that. But he like he says, "No, no, sit down. Don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of it. You just eat at my table continually. Just feast on the riches of my grace that I've given you." It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, but you know. One of the things I was thinking of, it's a picture, Mephibosheth's a picture, it's a beautiful picture, is you don't hear anything more about Mephibosheth after that, right? You don't hear about anything else that he accomplished. It's really a story about David's goodness, right? It's about what David did for Mephibosheth. And, um, you know, I mean, a guy who's living in fear. I mean, you know, it's, you know, he, he saves him. Little hope, fatherless. Um, but Mephibosheth, he doesn't accomplish anything great after that, that chapter. He sits at that table. And a lot of the things, you know, going through our mind and preparing this, you know, a lot of us kind of get to that place where we just sit at the table. You know, there's, there's like two, there's three ways, I guess, you could take those riches of his grace. The one, you can go out and do something to live for God, and live, commit your life to him. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that's like, or you can sit and be fat and happy, Right. I mean, you can come in, you, can, you know. I, and I say fat and happy because I, I work with uh, folks that make a lot of money. And, uh, you know, uh, when you recruit you know, uh, physicians in my line of work, you know, a lot of times they have a tendency to sit back and just see the minimum amount of patients, you know. And, and not all doctors are like that. Don't get scared about you know, your physician. I work with physicians, so I'm jaded, so don't mind me. But we say, like, oh, well, they got fat and happy, they got a good deal. So now they sit there, they see the minimum amount of patience, get their, you know, 401k plan, their benefits, and they're good. That's a lot of things like us, right? That happens to us. We sit here and we like we know, alright, we got the riches of His grace, we come and feel good every Sunday, alright, and then we're just like, alright, what's for lunch? What's for dinner? I do the same thing, you know, you go throughout the week, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, the Bible said, we'll just tune that on, you know, oh, yeah, it feels good, alright, keep on going like the automaton that we are. And we're fat and happy. Um, the other thing you can do is you could just spend your inheritance like the prodigal son, right? You just spend that grace that God's given you, right? I mean, you know, you just go out there and live like the world. Oh, it's eternal security. I'm saved. I don't need the mantra on the hilltop. I'm I just good with the cottage down by the sea. You know, I'm 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 you know, that's there's that, right? You could just live it, live it out like you've always wanted to live, it, like you never got saved to begin with. Um, and those are dangerous places to be in. Each each one of those two. Obviously, the first one—that's that's the ideal. That's where we want to be. And that's what we're going to talk about. But you know, it goes back to like we have this like new new money mentality. You know, when you get the riches of Jesus Christ, right? You know, it, that's that's that spending like just oh yeah, we don't need it. We don't you know we could just we can just live like life like we've always lived it, right? That's what happens you know in the, in the world, right? When someone gets money or a lot, he wins the lottery. You know, they, they end up, like, you know, spending or, like, you know, be, you know getting to be on TV on, like, you know, some drama, you know, uh, show where, like, they're just, you know, they're, they're a wreck. You know, they're on drugs. Their families are crazy. You know, they're, they're bankrupt in, like, two months. You know, that's, that's what happens sometimes. And, like, you know, that's what can happen to us, even as Christians, right? We just end up spending that, that grace, that stuff that God said, look at all the things I've given you. And we just waste it. We just waste it. Uh, yeah, help us, Lord. Um, but the difference here is, you know what? A lot of times when you get that new money, you have no mentality, right? No, nobody telling you, like, this is what you're supposed to do. Get open up a 401k, get a lawyer, do this, do that. No. But God, he's our father now, right? God of the universe, who gave you those blessings. Go to him now to find out what you need to do with the things that he's blessed you with, the things that he's given you, Right? He's, got, he, he's, he's not just one to just be like laissez-faire, like, you know, oh, yeah, you know, you just here, here you go, now run along, go ahead, go do what you got to do. No, he wants to be involved with your life. He's near to those that seek him, right? He's given us the tools to live richly in Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is really how can we live richly in Jesus Christ? How we should live richly in Jesus Christ. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if we can go there, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And um, a little bit of background on the the Church of Corinth and the 1 Corinthians. I mean, if you've been saved for any amount of time, 1 Corinthians is a pretty rough book. It's a book of reproof and rebuke um, to the Church of Corinth, the Corinthians. Um, Corinth is not too different from us, by the way. Uh, Corinth was a very rich city in late antiquity. Uh, it was a very, um, even in the Roman times, it was it was a very wealthy city. A lot of culture, um, a lot of carnality, and you know I was doing some research. And New Jersey is actually the third wealthiest state in the union. It's pretty amazing, right? And we have the similar things, right? I mean, we have we have a lot of things going on in this little state of ours. You know, it's 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 wealthy. Everyone's got money. It's a lot of distractions. The culture of this world, I mean, is just out of control, and it's prevalent in this in this state and New York and everything else. But um, you know, New York, New Jersey is actually richer than New York. So, I mean, you know, we got it—we got it pretty tough here. Um, so, you know, it's interesting to me. And we're gonna, we'll read the first few verses here. Uh, what Paul's saying here could apply to us. And in verse one, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ to the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that which are that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all and every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf by the grace of God which is given by Jesus Christ. That's a grace again. It comes up every time, right? Verse 5, That in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. That word enriched caught my eye um, it's only mentioned twice in the New Testament, and it's written. Uh, it's used twice in uh, only in the New Testament, and it's written to the book of um, uh, the Church of, at Corinth. Uh, it's in First Corinthians, and then it's in Second Corinthians that appears again. It mentioned, it's mentioned in a few other forms in the Old Testament, but it's not really relevant to um, the message here. But uh, I thought that was interesting, right? I mean, Paul makes a note to be enriched to the Corinthians, right? I mean this this church has got some issues. This church is very carnal. It's in a very carnal place, right? So we can learn some things from from the Corinthians here. Um, the other place it's mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 11, we'll touch on this briefly. But that enrichment it's it's how we need to live. 9:11 I'll read, I'll start off in uh, verse seven. Every man according as he hath purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So here he's talking about tithing, he's talking about giving um, in, in the New, New Testament sense. Uh, so in, in, this, in this sense, he's talking more of the physical, right? And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us, thanksgiving to God. So he's talking about in 1 Corinthians, he's talking about those spiritual, that spiritual enrichment that we need to be living in Jesus Christ. And in Second Corinthians, he's talking about the physical. I want to focus on the spiritual, but we can learn some things the physical as well. Amen? I mean, I'm reminded the last couple of weeks that I really like our own church building. Now, that's up to God. That's the Lord, you know. But, hey, we got to start, start putting some things, you know, we got to put our money where our mouth is, uh, you know, is right? Right? I mean, you know, th- there's some things that we got to pray about and get serious about. And God provides. I'm not saying, you know, hey, look, you know, I'm not, and, and pastor, nobody else put me up to this say like, you know, you, know, you got to tell them, you know, tell them, we got to get some money here. Come on now. That's just what's on my heart, but, but, you know, but, but there's, there's truth to that. I mean, we've got to be um, prudent, and we have to put the things of God first, even our own finances. Um, and it's not, it's not an easy thing to do. And I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't come to that either. But, you know, it's something that we need to, we need to figure out together. Um, so let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. That was free. That wasn't in the notes. that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. You know, as I was studying out the riches of God, you know, and I want to live that enriched life in Jesus Christ, if you do, I hope you, hope you do, and say amen. amen. That, was, that was all right, that was weak. It's okay, it's all right, we'll get there. Um, he enriches us through the riches of his glory. Uh, Ephesians chapter three and verse 16, we'll go to Ephesians three sixteen. Flipping around here today. All right, Ephesians 3.16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So he gives us the riches of his grace, right? Right? That's our salvation. That's the goodness of God, the kindness of God, those blessings that we get. But then he, he strengthens us to the riches of his glory. And, uh, you know, it, the key thing there is his spirit, right? It's, by the might, it's, it's with might by his spirit. Uh, if you go to uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, the next page there, "...in whom he also trusted after that he heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation." in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So the riches of his glory, God is, is, is in his glory today, right? But we don't see that on earth. But he's given us the earnest, right? Like the down payment, like the collateral. Like he's given us like, okay, look, you can't see my glory. You're not going to have all my glory or anything like that now, right? I'm, you're not going to have that. But you have a little taste. I'm giving, you, I'm giving you the down payment. I'm giving you the spirit of God. Right, which is going to be with you, right? Never alone, right? That's what that's talking about. That comforter that we have is the Spirit of God. So we can be strengthened in His might. We can be strengthened to walk this walk, to live richly and enriched in Him, all right? So that's the strength. We get the strength of the believer comes from the Holy Spirit, from the riches of His glory. Uh, in Philippians chapter 4 and 19, the riches of His glory also give us His sustenance. Philippians 4 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Again, not to be confused. This is not physical blessings or, or riches that we're talking about. It's not a prosperity gospel that I'm talking about. All right. So don't tell Pastor. when he comes back, you can hesitate. I'm not preaching prosperity gospel here, but, uh, but it's the riches of his, of his glory, right? Strengthens us. It provides for us right? It gives us those things as we're going through life and go through the hills and the valleys of the Christian walk, right? It, it sustains us. It sustains us. The riches of his glory. It's enough. So I wanted to, to see what's the example of someone who's lived richly in the Bible, right? Like the right way, right? Someone who had, you know, a lot in abundance and someone who had, uh, you know, some wisdom. Uh, and, I, and I saw, you know, I started reading in 2 Chronicles, uh, chapter 1, and um, you know, a, perf- a great, great example is Solomon, 2 Chronicles. He was the richest man that ever lived. So maybe we can learn some things about the richest man who ever lived and how we can live richly in Jesus Christ, Second Chronicles. Solomon is a type of Jesus Christ, the millennium, millennial reign. But, you know, he's also an example to us. there, say amen. amen. All right. it's three of you. Second Chronicles, chapter one, verse one. And Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom. Wow. He's strengthened. Maybe it's the riches of his glory. I don't know. And the Lord, his God, was with him. Yeah, it was. I do know. And magnified him exceedingly, right? So God strengthened Solomon, right? So Get into the background of Solomon right now, David had died. David had, was on his heart to build a temple for, uh, uh, at the time they had the, just the tabernacle. He wanted to build a, temp- a temple, a, a permanent structure, right? That structure that, you know, everyone gets excited about. You can, oh, they're going to build the temple, you know, in Jerusalem, right? I mean, the temple of Solomon. I mean, once that happens, you know, it's, it's, get your, get your uh, jumping shoes on, right? Um, but, uh, but Solomon builds the temple, where David couldn't. right? God said, you have too much blood on your hands. You can't, you can't build a temple. But your son, he can build it. And so Solomon was strengthened in his kingdom. And if you go down to verse, uh, verse 6, it says, and Solomon went up thither to the brazen altar before the Lord, which is at the tabernacle of the congregation, and offered a thousand burnt offerings upon it. So he starts with sacrifice. He's strengthened, and then he starts to sacrifice. He wants to come to the Lord, and he wants to dedicate this thing, this temple, to the Lord God, right? There's a lot of principles in there, right? You got something that you want to do for God, you need to get on the same page with him before you start building something, right? You got to come to him and just lay it all on his feet and say, hey, it's all yours. Just take, take it, do whatever you want with it. Amen. In verse 7, in that night did God appear unto Solomon. Wow, God appears. And said unto him, ask what I shall give thee. That's a, that's a really great question. God of the universe is asking, what should I give you? And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David, my father, and hast made me to reign in his stead. Hey, similar to us, right? We're children of the king, right? We're sons of the king. We have that grace. We have riches beyond belief. We just read about it a little bit, right? That's Solomon here. He's got the same thing. He's just got a little bit of, he's on the earthly side. It's an example to us. Uh, Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David, my father, be established. For thou hast made me king over people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? There's a couple of things there. God Solomon is not asking for riches, right? We know that, right? If you've known, studied your Bible a little bit, you know, he's not asking for any riches. He's not asking for you know, long life. We're going to get into that in verse 11. God said to, to Solomon, because that was in your heart, and thou hast not asked for riches, wealth, or honor, nor asked long life, but hast asked wisdom, asked wisdom Announce for thyself that thou mayest judge my people over whom I have made thee king. Solomon recognizes that he needs wisdom because he has a love for God's people, right? He has a love for God. He wants to dedicate this thing to God. He's coming to God the right way, the sacrifices. But he has a love for his people too. Something we need to have, right? Not get lost in the riches of this world or the riches of, you know, even, you know, get blinded and wasting that life, right, for Jesus Christ. We need to get serious about the things of God and he asked for a a heart, right, for God's people and for the things of God. Right? It started with Solomon's heart, right? Because God says to Solomon because this was in thine heart, right? And that's, you know, and I hear the you know the cop-outs all the time, oh well you know, I'm not feeling it today. I feel it, I do the same thing. It's not just, you know, I'm hearing it from me. Right. The cop-out is, you know, oh, I don't feel like reading my Bible today. You know, I'm tired. You know, I'm, I'm this, I'm that. You know, there's a lot going on. My time is, like, you know, so so short. New York Minute, all that stuff. You know, you're, you know it, it, the excuses go on and on and on. But, you know, you can ask for that. You can ask for a heart, right, that will glorify God, right? Ask him to give you the desires that he desires. Ask him for the things that he wants you to have, Right? Uh, If you go to uh, Psalms, chapter 51 and verse 10. Psalms 51 and verse 10. Slipping all over the place here. Living richly in Jesus Christ. Look, it says, David, he says, Create in me a clean heart. O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from Thy presence, and take not Thy holy spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of Thy salvation, and uphold me with Thy free spirit. And David didn't have the salvation that we have. You know, he's talking about those things that temporarily, like God took him out of a dangerous situation, right? I mean, he's a warrior. I mean, he's facing some pretty tough odds. But you know, he had to come to God and ask Him, creating that that clean heart, right? Do what only you can do, right? I need you. It says in Jeremiah that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? God is the only one who can know the heart. It says that he tries, tries the reins, right? So we need, to, we need to get our hearts right with God. We need to ask for the desires, right? That's what the heart has is those desires of the heart, right? We need to get our desires on the same page as his desires. Um, put my notes around here. Another example in Daniel chapter one, verse eight. Daniel chapter one and verse eight. It's not something that happens by osmosis, right? That's what my father would say. Something that you have to purpose. It's like what the brother was saying last week. You know, you gotta find your purpose. Is there not a cause, right? You gotta get you gotta get, you know, settled with certain things in the walk. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So Daniel, you know, you know, you know, the story of Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and, uh, you know, it's, you know, they were going through a lot of trials under that captivity. I mean, that's just like us. We're in, we're not in captivity, like, so to speak, but we're in this world, right? We're in Babylon today. And we've got to make some decisions on what we're going to seek, what we're going to desire, right? We're going to put the things of God first. So that's the first thing I see about Solomon, living richly um, to Solomon. So let's go back to Second Chronicles. I know I have you guys slipping around. You just probably just got there, and then we've got to go back. If anyone's new here, I'm not the pastor, so um, come next week when somebody knows what they're talking about in the pulpit. 2 um, Chronicles. And I just want to finish one thought with the heart. Um, in verse, verse 12 of chapter 1, it says, Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings have had that have, had, have been before thee, neither shall there any after thee have the like. We get saved. Again, we get saved. We get eternal life. Right, we have the riches of God, but then He gives us, you know, the ability to, to like reap rewards and like to get blessings. I mean, and that's what that's what that's what God saw in Solomon. Like, you asked for the right thing; your heart was right. Now I'm going to bless you. Now I'm going to bless you with these physical things. Right? If you want to be on blessing ground, you got to start. It starts with the heart. You got to make that decision in your heart. I'm going to serve the High King of Heaven. All right. Um, the second thing I see about Solomon, Second Chronicles chapter two. It says that in verse one, and Solomon determined to build a house for the name of the Lord, and a house for his kingdom. And Solomon told out three score and ten thousand men to bear burdens, and fourscore thousand to hew in the mountain, and three thousand and six hundred to oversee them. So Solomon, he he determined, he he determined some things right after he got his heart right with the Lord. He determined to do the work of the Lord. It's one thing to have the desire. But now he determined that, you know what, no, I'm gonna, I'm, this is going to happen. And look what he does. In all of chapter 2, it talks about the effort, the effort and the cost that went into building this temple. Uh, and, you know, it makes you think, and we'll get into it, why Why? why, why go through all this? I mean, why, you know, in, in a lot of times, you know, in our own mentality, we just think like, oh, well, you know, we just got to get it done. You know, as long as it just gets done, you know, we, we're, we're good. It's, it's fine. He spares no expense. And in verse 5, I think I know why he, do, he, he doesn't. It's, it's, and the house which I build is great, for great is our God above all gods. You have to determine in your heart that God is great and that God is worthy, God is worthy of the cost and the time and the commitment and the work it takes to do something for the Lord. If God has put something on your heart, right, to do don't run away from that thing. Don't run away from that thing. Get, get it determined in your heart today. Determine your feet, your mind, right? and your life, that I'm gonna do that thing, right? In Jesus' name. I'm not saying get, you know, get ahead of God. I'm saying, I'm saying you need to determine in your heart and put put your money where your mouth is, right? It's a bad saying, but you know, whatever. It, you gotta you gotta just determine some things. Um so what's he do? What's Solomon do? Well, he, he spares no expense. He, in verse 2, we talked about the amount of men that it took to hew down things out of the mountain, things out of the trees. Uh, it says in uh, verse 7, it says, Send me now therefore a man cunning to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in iron and, in, peep, and in, in purple and crimson and blue and I can skill to grave with the cunning men that are with me in Judah and in Jerusalem whom David my father did provide. I mean, you know, we live in a world of 3D technology and all this other stuff. I mean, these guys... It took a lot of work and determination to be as skilled as what they're doing. I mean, with the gold and with the, the colors, I mean, you know, it's all automated today. But, I mean, this, this costed a lot of money for Solomon to be able to do this, right? It went through great lengths, right? Uh, spared no expense, right? Uh, so, and he went and got trees. He got trees from his, you know, Lebanon. I mean, Lebanon's not, you know, in the Bible, is not historically a friend of Israel, right? But even God made that happen. Right? He made them at peace. This is in verse 11, then Hiram, the king of Tyre, answered in writing, which he sent to Solomon. Solomon had, had sent out to, to Lebanon and, and uh, for Tyre, the king of Tyre, and asked him for the cedars of Lebanon for the building. Because the Lord hath loved his people, He hath made thee king over them. Now the king of Tyre is not you know, saved, so to speak, in the Old Testament. He's, he's a pagan. I mean he's, for all I know, he's, he's just you know, worshipping the trees. But even Hiram, like through God. He's at peace with him and not even, he's helping him. He's supporting him. Right? There's that verse in Proverbs 16:7. I wonder where, this is where Solomon gets it from. It says, you know, that you'll have peace with your enemies. Like when, you're man, when a man's ways please the Lord, right? He'll even put your enemies at peace. I mean, that's, that's amazing, right? If you determine in your heart that God is worthy of whatever it is he's given you to do, right? God will make it work. He does the work. You just have to be willing to go along and be, be, be used. That's all you have to do. And God will do it. He'll make a way. Let um, me come back to my notes here. So the question is, what house, what house does God want you to build? Amen. Right? Solomon gave him a physical building that he wanted them to build, right? But there's things that we need to build in our own lives, right? In my, in my season of life, if, if life, it's building a family, right? I want to set that on the right foundation. How are we building... That 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 thing that God has given you, right? Maybe it's maybe it's a ministry, or you know maybe it's a relationship, uh, maybe it's a job, a career that will glorify the Lord, right? You just got to determine and commit to the Lord, right? He's great enough, He's good enough, He's strong enough, He's powerful enough to do what He's given you in your heart to do. I mean, like it just doesn't make any sense any other way, right? Uh, if you go to um, in Psalms, you go to Psalms chapter thirty-seven. amazing. God is, uh, he gives us all the tools, and he doesn't ask us to do anything too outlandish. Um, Psalms 37, a great chapter, uh, starting verse 1, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. If God has given you something, right, that's his, and first there's a little like reverse causation here, right, it's just the fact, you know, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Okay, so that doesn't mean like, oh yeah, I'm going to give you a million dollars, or no, you got to delight yourself. And the things of God, right? If you're doing that earnestly and honestly, then you're going to have the desires. You're going to be in alignment with what God wants. Does that make sense? And so that's the same. Solomon, that's what he's done. He's did that. He has his heart right. He has a, a plan. He has a, a mission. He has a, an objective. He wants to build that house. And, and, God, and then God gave him everything else, all the riches, all the other things. Look, you're looking for a wife, you're looking for a job, you're looking for this, you're looking for a husband, you're looking for whatever it is that you're looking for. I mean, you need to delight yourself in the things <laughs> of the Lord, right? God is great. God is great, right? And he is willing, he's able, right, to do exceeding abundant, above all we can ask or think. We just need to take a step of faith, like my brother said at the mission yesterday, take God at his word, have enough faith to believe it, right, accept it, Right, and just and just and just do it. You just need to just go out and do it. That's it. Amen. Um, let's go to back to my notes. Uh, go back to Second uh, Chronicles. I when you do it the Lord's way. There is no better way. Don't spare any expense for you. He didn't spare any expense for uh, uh, for you. Uh, don't spare expense for him, right? He gave us everything in Jesus Christ. Um, let's go to verse, uh, verse sixteen, Second Chronicle chapter two. And we will cut wood out of Lebanon as much as thou shalt need, and we shall bring it to thee, and floats by sea to Joppa, and thou shalt carry it up to Jerusalem. And Solomon numbered all the strangers that were in the land of Israel after the numbering wherewith David his father had numbered them. And they were found in 150,000 and 3,600. Three, 3, and he set three score and 10,000 of them to be bearers of burdens, four score thousand to be hewers in the mountain, and 3,600 overseers to set the people a work. I mean, that's a, that's a huge project. That's a lot, of, a lot of energy and effort that has to go into a project to build something for the Lord. And it's going to cost you. I mean, you know, that's, it's going to cost. If you want to serve the Lord and you determine your heart to do it, it's going to cost you. Uh, chap, uh, we're going to go to the third point here, which I see here. If we go to Second Chronicles chapter 5. Another thing we can learn about from Solomon. Uh, in verse 1. Thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in all the things that David, his father, had dedicated, and the silver and the gold and all the instruments put among the treasures of the house of God. The last thing I see here that Solomon did was he finished the work, right? Like my father would say, we're not not half-steppers here, okay? You either full step in and do it, or you just get out of the way, right? That's really hard. That's that's his Brooklyn, whatever, and that's what's kind of ingrained in me a little bit. But we need to not half-step things for God. If God has given you that desire in your heart, if you've determined about certain things to see this thing done— to, pay, to put in, put the cost in, consider the cost, count the cost. It says, right, we need to finish the work. We need to finish this race, right? We need to finish this race strong. Better is the end of the thing, right? Than the beginning thereof. And all these things that I'm kind of saying, Solomon is written in, in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. These principles, where do you think he got it from? I mean, these are things that God showed him, the wisest man on earth, right? Next to Jesus Christ. I mean, we can learn a thing or two from Solomon. Um, and in Second Chronicles chapter uh, 5, verse 13, it says, It came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice in the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister by the reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house. You know, if you commit something and you finish that thing, you want to see the glory of God in your life? You want to see, have enough willingness, right, to follow him, to commit those things to him, do the work that he's put forth for you, but to finish the work, that's when you're going to see the glory of God, right? A lot of work comes in, to setting up the sound service, right? A lot of work comes in to setting up you know, a picnic or anything like that. But don't you see the glory of God, right, when you're sitting there and you say, wow, wow, God met with us, right? That's a lot of work. I mean, you know, and that's the physical, right? The spiritual is, did you prepare your heart, right? Did you do the work, right? Did you, did you show up early to the prayer meeting? I'm outing myself again, right? You want to see the glory of God? You want to see the power of God in your life? It's not rocket science, guys, Right? We, gotta, we just gotta be willing to do what God has told us and asked us to do. Um, and you notice it happens after we, you know, they, they praised him, right? It wasn't like, oh, I did this, and so look at how great it is, and you know, great is Solomon, king of kings. The, no, it's great is the Lord, right? Amen. Committing that work to the Lord and finishing it in his name and giving it back to him, right? Giving it back to him. For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. There's been times where I've been in a meeting where like, wow, that's, it's thick in there, you know? Like, I think of those those camp meetings, right? I mean, there's been, and we're meeting in like under like a pavilion. Like I think of that camp in Pennsylvania. That was a rough camp, man. I mean, like there was some, but you know what? God showed up and there was times where I'm looking, looking around like, wow, this is what heaven's gonna be like. Amen. Minus all like the, you know, cruddy facilities. But you know, it's, it's, this is what heaven's gonna be like, right? But uh, you know, that's, but that's, but that's when I see the glory of God. That's what we've got to do. We've got to commit some things. We've got to commit some things to finish them. <clears throat> uh, let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter uh, 7. And uh, throughout 2 Chronicles chapter 6, Solomon is praying. I'll touch on a few verses through here. You, don't, um, I'll, I'll, you can read them with me. Uh, in verse, six, uh, verse 14 of chapter 6, he said, And said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in the heaven, nor in the earth, which keep his covenant and show his mercy unto thy servant and walk before thee with all their hearts. Thou which hast kept with thy servant David my father, that which thou hast promised him, spakest with thy mouth, and hast fulfilled it with thine hand, as it is this day. God's made us a lot of promises. I mean, you know, we can go through them. I'm not, I don't have the time to go through the promises that God's given us, but, you know, the promise of his spirit, the promise of, of an eternity with him, the promise of, of uh, you know, never leaving or forsaking us. I mean, it goes on and on and on. I mean, he's going to do it right? He's going to do it. Whether you're there or not, he's there. I mean, but wouldn't it be great if we just got some, we just got determined and excited about the things of God? I mean, to see his glory? Uh, Verse 18, But will God in every deed dwell with men on earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee, how much less this house which I have built. Have respect, therefore, to the prayer of thy servant and to his supplication, O Lord my God, to hearken unto my cry and the prayer which thy servant prayeth before thee, that thine eyes may be open upon this house day and night, upon the place whereof thou hast said that thou wouldest put my name there, thy name there to hearken unto the prayer which thy servant prayeth toward this place. So, God, so Solomon's praying an amazing prayer. You read more of that. I mean, it's some good stuff. I mean, he's just giving all the glory to God. He's just, I mean, it's, it gets you excited. It gets you excited to think about the things of God and remind yourself of how great he is. Um, but you look in in chapter 7 you know what else happens in chapter 7 the glory of God appears again after Solomon prays now when Solomon had made an ending of praying the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house there's just something about praising and praying you want to see God show up I mean those things go together they go together And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, and they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. It's just a beautiful picture because that's a physical, right, representation of God's glory, right, on the earth. But we're going to see his glory one day, right? Don't we want to finish this race strong? We want to finish this race strong to see his glory, right? And, God, and it says that, you know, that reward that we're going to have is, is you know, that's, that's glory for us as well, right? I mean, it's amazing. God gives you the riches of his grace, the riches of his glory, right, to live this life, right? And it's all his. He's just asking you to put, don't, don't waste it. Just put it to use, right? It's like that servant, right? In Matthew uh, chapter, um, chapter 25, right? He gives those talents to that servant, right? And he gives each of them a little bit, you know, and everyone has a little bit more, a little bit less of something, you know, whether it's, you know, you could, you could speak or you could do music or you could talk to somebody on the street. I mean, we all have, you know, those those strengths and weaknesses. I mean, that's the body of Christ, right? But all we have to do is just come in on to him, like, give him something. Like, it's like the pastor, uh, pastor said last week, or the missionary said last week, you know, it's like, you know, what about 30%? What does 50% look like? What does 80% look like, right? I mean, you know... It's just give what you have. See what you can get, you know? Like, try to grow. Get, get more and get more Jesus Christ. Um, and the other thing I see here, and uh, we're going to wrap up here. Uh, in Solomon's example here, you know, he didn't just finish at the temple. In chapter 8, it talks about how he starts building up the other cities of, of Israel. He starts building up the others. Once you finish the work that God's given you, Ask him what else he has for you to do. I mean, don't don't just sit and you know, like, be fat and happy on the victories of, of previous you know what you did earlier in your life. I mean, look, everyone has their seasons. Their seasons they go ebb and flow, right? I mean, you know, you might have the, have the energy of you know a uh, twenty five year old or you know the youth up there right now that are you know freezing their uh, behinds off, right? I mean, that's not for everybody, right? But but hey, if you're an older person, we need your wisdom. I mean, the younger people need your wisdom, right? I mean, we need to see that example, that light, right? That this works, like, at all stages of life, right? Maybe if we had some more more of that, you know, uh, 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 we could see, going back and look at that Ebenezer, right? And we could see, like, wow, it worked for him. It worked for them. It could work for me, too, you know? We need that encouragement. We need that strength, right? Iron sharpening iron, you know? Don't just quit after you finish the work that God gave you to do. Whatever it is. Find the next thing. Go to the next thing. Find the next city to build. Um, and Jesus Christ was no different, right? Jesus Christ wouldn't ask you to do something you haven't, he hasn't already done, right? And, you know, he had a desire for us long before he came, right? In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. If Solomon isn't enough, Jesus Christ should be enough. Right for our, our sakes, he became poor. Amen. Thank you, Chapter twelve, or verse. We'll do one and two. And wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which doth e- so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the Author and Finisher for our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. That joy is, is seeing us, saving us, redeeming us, right? That kindness that David showed, right? He, 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 he found it, he enjoyed that, right? Showing that and sharing that with, with Mephibosheth. I mean, that's what Jesus Christ did for us. That joy it was set before him, endured the cross, right? He determined some things, right? Right, he saw that cross, he knew what was happening, he knew he had to endure the physical pain, but he set, his head is, his face like a flint, right? He went to that cross for you and me, Right? He determined to get to that cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the, the right hand of the, the throne of God. He finished his work, right? He, was, he, was, he had in his heart. He saw us. He determined to go to that cross, and now he finishes work. He's sitting on the right hand of God. Uh, a couple of the verses in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 7, that's, that's the reference about setting his face like a flint. Uh, he finished that work in John 17, 4. If we can go there, John seventeen four. We're uh, wrapping up here. You know, think about Jesus. He was always about his Father's business, right? I mean, he considered it worthy enough, right, to put other things aside, right? He says, I have glorified thee on earth. He's talking, uh, let's actually read verse, verse one. This is Jesus talking, praying, and uh, he's about to be given over. To, uh, to Calvary. Uh, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour, hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And he did, he finished that. But you know, again, Amen. he gives the glory back to, even, to God. Jesus Christ, God manifested in the flesh, right? In verse five, and now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Amen. And Jesus Christ got that, right? He finished that work and he got that glory, right? That he once had. Let's close here with Ephesians. Go back to Ephesians. Thank you for your kind attention, to sit through my ramblings this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, <clears throat> starting verse 18. in the middle of a thought here, but um, Paul's writing back, to, back here to the Church of Ephesus The eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling. And what riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us-ward, to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. The spirit of God, right? Which he wrought in on, Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. We just talked about that. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Amen. We have an inheritance to lose, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. My prayer would be that we ask the Lord for those eyes, and we talked about this earlier in the year, and it came up again at I think a men's meeting last week. It reminded me of just Getting that perspective in verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. I mean, God has given us a lot. We have a lot. We are rich in Jesus Christ and spiritual blessings. We're seated in spirit- heavenly places spiritually. I mean, we've got everything that we need to live richly in Jesus Christ. And God just says, are you going to commit those things to me? What are you going to do with it? Are you going to make some decisions about me? Are you going to put me first, right? Are you going to give me the 30, the 40, 50 percent? What are you going to give me? Give me something, you know? And you know God's going to strengthen us. He's going to strengthen us in this walk. He's going to help us finish that work. He's going to help us finish that work, right? And he wouldn't ask us to do anything that he wouldn't do and has already done, right, in Jesus Christ, right? Because of the riches of his grace and glory, we're in Christ, we are rich in Christ today. Let's not waste it, what God has given us, And uh, let's just pray that uh, our eyes are opened and that we can live the enriched life in Jesus Christ and have that heavenly perspective in all things. So thank you again. And uh, let's close in a word of prayer. Thank you again for your kind attention. Dear Lord, thank you again for the Lord Jesus Christ.